Whoa! Pick up your lager, it's time for Saga! Head to the fridge and go grab a lager We're gonna read a comic called Saga It's a space operatic adventure It's not just for geeks, it's for those who love culture Star Wars, Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings It's a brilliant mashup of all of your favourite things A girl with wings and a guy with horns They're trying to protect their lovely little newborn A cat who spots lies, a babysitter who is dead There's even a man with the television for a head He's got a television for a head. Whoa, hey! We've beaten the system, people. That's right, most podcasts don't even last two episodes. We're back for number three. We're in the minority, but that's a good minority to be in. Listen, we're talking about the comic book called Saga, published by Image Comics. It started in 2012, and it's just come off of a... I said five-year hiatus in episode one. I was corrected. It's actually a a three-and-a-half-year hiatus. But it's back now and going strong. Uh, Brian K. Vaughan and Fiona Staples with their sci-fi space opera, magnum opus, epic, whatever you want to say. Uh, And there's three people here that are going to be talking you through it issue by issue. It's me, the Chief. And I'm also joined by you. Go, one of you. Hello, I'm Emma Warrelow. Yes, Emma, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. It's hot. It's heat wave. Oh, yes, I'm sweating like a chief in a loft, <laughs> uh, which in fact I am all of those things. And who else have we got on the line? Uh, Dave Wimblett, hello. Um, hello. I'm quite cool. We have not opened the curtains all day. I've been Sensible. sat in a dark house uh, all day with a few windows cracked, but not even much more than that. And it's, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful summertime. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So how we live summer. in the UK. Now listen, uh, we... We've got a jingle that we just played, and it's head to the fridge and go grab a lager. Uh, and so far, we are rubbish because none of us <laughs> have had even uh, a remote sign of a drink. Can that be rectified on this episode, Emma? I have a drink. Just, Fantastic. Can, Stop can the presses. That? I hear ice yeah. in the world around. Ice for the hot day. I'm actually, uh, I, I do have it in a pint glass, but yeah, you'll never catch me drinking a lager. <laughs> Um, so today, I don't like beer or anything like that. I did like think that. that that might be the case. When you yeah. said, yeah, you'll have a lager, I was like, okay. Yeah, no, I have a tea bag for cold drinks. In So it's it's a pink drink made from a like a triangle tea bag with pink stuff in it. Okay. It's called a cold infusion. Oh, uh, I think I've had these before. I've had a watermelon one before. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Posh. Mm. It's just a, it's weak water, right? Not water, flavoured water. Yeah. Basically. Dave, you got a drink? No. I do not, but if I did, I was going to have a banana beer. I've got a couple in the fridge. Oh, I like but them. But I can't be asked to get up. No, uh, okay, well, very save, good that, banana save beer. that for episode four. Yep. Spoiler, everyone. Dave's going to have a banana <laughs> beer next episode. <laughs> tastes <laughs> like bananas. It tastes like this beer. This is an exciting podcast. This is what a segment. <laughs> this is audio gold right here into your oral canals. Um, listen, I had a thought. Now, this podcast is called What a Saga, but that is three words that I wonder if that is a known worldwide saying, because we would say, oh, what a saga, when something is just dragging on and on and twists and turns and all that kind of jazz. Do we think that is worldwide saying or is that just localised to the UK? I don't know. Do we have any international listeners? Do we have any listeners? Do we have any listeners? <laughs> That's the real question. <laughs> 
We know that our analytics team needs to get on that. Get on that. Email us at whatasaga at gmail.com. That is possibly not a global saying. Well, tell us. Get, get on the email and tell us. If it is, uh, we'll put it on the social I love as well. it. What a saga. I'm going to slip it in organically to each episode. Please do. Please do. And also into everyday life even more than you would normally. I like the idea of them saying it in Nigeria or somewhere like that. Yeah. It yeah. must sound great in, you know, different yeah, accents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll keep going. I'm sure our reach will be global one day and we'll yeah. find out. <laughs> Guys, listen, when you're down the supermarket and something just keeps saying, what a saga all the time. And eventually someone will come over and say, oh, what's going on? And then you say, listen, I've got a podcast. That's how you, <laughs> yeah. you know, you PR it. That yeah, way, this but... is our marketing campaign. Yeah, yeah. Spread like COVID. That's the plan. <laughs> <laughs> But not as deadly. Um, that was a saga. Yeah, that was a saga. There you go. It's it's easier than actually. No, you mentioned it. it's very easy, isn't it, to, to slip it in? But listen, episode uh, three, talking about issue three of Saga. Quick recap uh, from issue two. So our two heroes, or I'm going to call three heroes, because I'm saying Hazel's a hero because she is narrating this story. So I think she's going to be doing good stuff in the future. So our three heroes are trapped in the forest. Is it called the Forbidden Forest or have I made that up? They're in a forest. Uh, endless forest. Endless. The Endless Forest. They're looking for the rocket ship forest, part of the Endless Forest, to get off this planet because there's warring nations are hunting these two down because they've done what no man or woman should ever do. Someone from Wreath and someone from Cleave have got together and they have created a lovely, beautiful baby and everyone wants that baby and those two dead. So everyone's chasing them. Now, in this forest, they met one of the people chasing them and it was the stork, a terrifyingly horrific part woman, part spider ant creature. And then they also met at the end of the issue the horrors which are a punk emo ghost band ghost are band. these the actual horrors though well we did postulate that mm. at the end of episode yeah. two issue two episode two we don't know but that's the situation marco is down and out he's been stabbed by the stork and alana is at her wits end now so let's look at this one cover for issue three is uh, one of these characters from the last page of issue two, it's a girl who has been cut off at the waist, intestines hanging out, large ears, as you pointed out, Emma, from the last episode, and lots of eyes in the background. So, And she's got a mean, kind of mean look on her face, I'd say. Mean mm. is the predominant um, expression here. Yeah, she's kind of like an Avril Lavigne. Mm, good shout. That's sort of been... Yeah, sabotaged at the waist. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if she was ever looked like this, Avril Lavigne. You know, I wonder if she was a horror. I like <laughs> the two moons in the background. Good touch. Didn't see that. Yeah. yeah, didn't see that on this cover. And we have all these eyes, and we have these eyes again on the splash. You taught me. That's what it's called. Oh, uh, the splash page one. Yes. Yeah, they're in the background again. That's why I'm not sure if these. Emo, goth, emo ghosts are the horrors because those eyes look like they're coming from something different. Possibly, possibly reflections or something. But quickly back to that cover. Uh, fan, they're fans of Star Wars, the creators here. And I think that's a little nod to Tatooine, which has twin suns. Mm. And here yeah, we get this planet, which has twin moons. Yeah, so this um, splash page um, is Alana holding Hazel. Uh, Marco's dead on the floor. Well, he's not dead, but he's bleeding out. And all these ghost figures are surrounding her. And she's now taking on a different tact straight away because where we saw her hold the gun to Hazel's head when she was confronted by the stork, now she has gone into pleading mode. Please, please don't kill me. Please don't orphan my girl. And even though these are emo kids that don't seem that intimidating, I guess it is because of all the, the lore and the gossip and all the urban legends 
even though yeah. they're not in an urban environment, about these ghosts. So yeah, she's obviously terrified, isn't she? Yeah, but I, I, I have been more scared. The stork scared me more than these kids. Mm. Yeah, I am very nervous about these kids. They oh, were you are quite okay. strange in this chapter. Big um, eared I, bastards, aren't they? <laughs> I love this little line by Hazel. My mum once said, "The hardest, hardest part of parenting is knowing when to ask for help." Great line. Is that very, true, do you think, or not? Very relatable, very right. true. Um, I had I... no problem drafting in as many people as I could to help. <laughs> yeah, me too. No I, problem. Yeah, that. I think uh, it's a female dad. thing. Yeah. I think right. it's a female thing. Like It is really hard to to ask for help. I definitely struggle with that. And I think there's, yeah, just this sense that you should like have all your shit together. And right, um, yeah. yeah, particularly... Yeah, women asking other women, there's something going on there. But it's, it's definitely something a lot of women struggle with, is asking for help, for sure. Especially when uh, the grandparents are very judgy and, yeah. you know, ooh, that kind of reaction. Oh, that's not how you're supposed to do it. I'm like, no, I think it is, actually. Yeah, and then also, like, the help that you, the help that you actually want can be quite hard to ask for. Like, if you want to just go and have some fun <laughs> um or kind of like look after yourself um or, yeah, or make me a cottage pie f- have some food cooked for you yeah um it can be quite hard asking for that i think a lot of women feel like yeah they should be able to do all that themselves and it feels indulgent to ask for things that you really need which are normally things to like nourish yourself yeah mm-hmm. well alana's gonna have to quickly make a decision here whether she wants to ask for help or not because She's got a newborn baby that probably hasn't eaten for a while. Um, and she's got a husband lying on the ground bleeding out. Yeah, she's super vulnerable here. Yeah. She gets reassured almost straight away by this lead ghost figure who says, relax, your husband's not dead. Not yet anyway. So it's kind of it's kind of a, here's some good with the bad. He's okay at the moment. And it's yeah, almost it's a like, a bit ambiguous. If you, yeah, if you know, you're going to need my help if you don't want him to, to be dead. This This issue is actually broken down into kind of three distinct parts you've got alana with this punk emo ghost crew you've got the stork and the will who end up having a conversation on the phone that's a big section and then you've got prince robot who does an interrogation on his quest to on rhino guy on his quest to find our hero so there's definitely three distinct parts to the issue and it kind of jumps in between them as we go i don't know how many pages there are in this but it's very short not that much happens in this issue i think maybe it's fair to say it's not the most exciting issue filler. i counter that yeah I, filler there you go. oh i i thought it was the opposite you see i thought there was more going on here than issue two yeah i do i do as well i the, the issue two i found i read it so fast this one i had to catch up a little bit yeah maybe you just like it quick dave that's what she yeah. said <laughs> yeah <laughs> i do I really like this line here. It doesn't take a village to raise children. It takes a whole galaxy, former friends, random acquaintances and complete strangers. I love that because that whole it takes a village to raise children is like a well-known expression um, that you need lots of people to help you bring your kids up. But they're actually leveling that up and saying, no, you need a whole galaxy, <laughs> friends, yeah. random people, strangers. And um yeah, that really resonated with me. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I want a whole galaxy to help me raise these three children that I have. <laughs> the line was cool. You know, they could have stopped at galaxy and that would have been equally as good. And then they tack on those other things. And it just kind of ramps it up. Yeah. And I think we're finding early on 
that Hazel has some of the best dialogue in the whole book because that's one of my favourites. And she also has my other favourite line of dialogue right near the end, uh, which is rich kids get nannies, but the rest of us have babysitters. There's something about being in that position where she's at the end of the story, we're at the beginning. So she can kind of, as a narrator, be all coy and be, you know, make jokes and despite what the situation is and we're kind of in the situation she's mm. way past that situation so mm. she's got the gift of hindsight and mm. it's quite a empowered position and gives her lots of scope to yeah definitely spin it however she wants and it's and it's a clever way of of having exposition without yeah. just describing everything because like you said Dave it's coming from these characters future and she's not describing exactly what's going to happen to them but she just it's very cleverly worded not metaphor, but it's kind of layering in details without explicitly explaining what's going to happen. Mm. Lots um, of foreshadowing and dot, dot, yeah. dots. Yeah. And, and now I am massively excited to meet a grown-up Hazel. I'm, I'm desperate now to yeah. Yeah. Met, not meet her at the stage where she's narrating, but also, you know, when perhaps she's like six or seven or whatever. You know, I want to see this journey that has given her this insight or this recollection. So how did she know these things? So her parents must have survived long enough or been around long enough to write journals or discussing stories to her because otherwise she wouldn't be able to narrate these scenes i get the impression i like to think that she's going to be a badass when we find her fully formed the best bits of both of her parents which i think would make a very well-rounded kick-ass kind of person i'm looking forward to that as you say Mm. yeah yeah and and this one like I say, it's divided up. And that also reinforces one of the cores of this book, which seems to be relationships. So you've got that Marco and Alana. Now suddenly you've got in this issue a big relationship between Alana and who it turns out to be Isabel, which is the name of this lead ghost. And then then you've also got a relationship which is going to form clearly between Hazel and Isabel, which will run through the details about why that would be in a second. You've got the Will and the Stork, which again is heavily implied that they've had a former relationship, sexual um, to a degree. Yeah, so many questions about that. So many questions. So let's tackle these, almost these scenes, all these scenes as they play out then. So looking at this one then between Alana and the, the emo ghost from kind of start to finish, does it play out in a way that you expected or how do these ghosts come well, off in the end? At what point do they turn from scary to non-scary or do they stay scary yeah well we have this new theme of racism coming in here and isabel talking about being indigenous peoples and that was really interesting to me because obviously there's so many different species and planets and it kind of got me thinking like what what is an indigenous person in this world and who who are they and what happened to them so I thought that was really interesting and this idea of being like misunderstood and that, you know, she says, oh, you're supposed to slaughter innocent men and women. And actually she's saying, no, we just put stuff in people's heads. That's an yep. illusion. And this whole kind of like they're misunderstood. But I, throughout the whole thing, have this kind of, oh, I don't know. Is she, is she, or is she good? Is she not good? I found it so hard to yeah to kind of get a sense of i don't know if i trust her or not yeah and why are all these ghosts kids where's the where's the adults i think yeah i'm a little naive and i'm just innocently assuming that these are nice friendly because they're kids 
But yeah, they could just be could be another illusion, couldn't it, for what yeah, they actually course. look like or what they actually are. That maybe they're not kids. But they've also, even though they are ghosts, they still feel like they've got some kind of future because Marco, you know, on the ground is saying that if he can get a certain ingredient, he can make a spell, a healing spell. Um, and he needs snow, of all things. And so <laughs> immediately, Isabel, at this point, we don't know her name's Isabel, but at this point, she sees, she's right, I've got an out here. I've got a way to get off planet. And, you know, I don't know whether that means she can become unghost or whatever, but she's like, right, there's a there's a, a bargained uh, negotiation to be made here. And she says to Alana, I can get you snow, but you've got to do something for me. Um, I need to be uh, soul bonded to a living native. And that is obviously where Alana says she wasn't born here. But uh oh, Hazel was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is what creeped me out. I was like, that doesn't sound great. Yeah, it sounds a little bit like selling the soul of your baby. Yeah, she's going to have this ghost girl bonded to her soul. Mm. That's pretty ominous. Now, now how desperate as a parent are you? You know, yeah, the, well, this... she's desperate. But because it's a, a teenage girl kind of asking in a, a very nice, polite way, are yeah. you more inclined to say yes, even though it's the same thing but also, being asked by a, a nasty thing? You might be like, well, maybe, no way. Maybe. Oh, um, you know, the stork, she was never going to hand Hazel over to the stork because she was wielding guns, like you say. But I suspect Alana has got a plan that I'm not going to go through with it. I'm going to get the snow and then I'm going to ditch this ghost girl and not go through with my part of the bargain. Mm. I suspect that's that's what I feel is mm. going to happen. Yeah. And uh, there's, there's this line from Hazel which suggests this potentially isn't going to be great because she says, despite what you may have heard, good help isn't all that hard to find, dot, dot, dot. It's just hard to find cheap. So this is a high mm. price yes. yeah. to pay for this help, a.k.a. Exactly. snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because she's not really explained what that means, soul bonding. What does that actually entail? Yeah, is it just something that can then good. be can it be separated <laughs> at some point, or is yeah. it permanent? What does that mean for Hazel? But you know, she's got what choices does she have, so she she she's running with it for the time being. Um, mm. So let's let's keep on this kind of storyline track. So she's hoiking Marco up the mountainside. So yeah, she's carrying now him and the baby. Yep. Up the mountain. The point where Alana kind of changes tact and kind of Isabel gets her on side is another uh, mother-daughter parenting moment where it's a burping. It's a simple burping advice yeah. from yeah. Isabel yeah. That, that kind of gets Alana a bit more on side. I do like this when she's carrying... She's carrying him and the baby up this mountain and the emo ghost who doesn't have to walk... It's just like, oh, this is so stupid. <laughs> Teenager. <laughs> oh it's great. It's great angst. Yeah. Um, it's all in the face. Does Isabel know that she can get snow? Or is she leading them into a trap or just kind of chancing her arm? Because it's like, well, there's got to be snow on the t- there's got to be snow on a mountain. Has there? I don't know. And then they end up going to a creepy cave. And in fact, Alana says, Hazel, uh, Isabel says, I'll show you. Follow me into the ominous cave of doom, yeah. says Alana. Yeah, that's why I'm so sort of, oh, I don't know, because when she's giving the burping tip and she's like, I'm not anonymous, I'm Isabel. It's like, oh, maybe, you know, she's she's kind of, she starts to almost like humanize a bit in that scene, but then she really is taking them into a creepy cave 
of mm. doom. Yeah, and there's fire and flames, but that's drawn really cool. You know, it's almost like an ice cave and it's there's a weird boat that they're going to get in. Yeah, it's quite ethereal, isn't it? It looks cool. I like the bit when she's kind of beckoning her into the cave with like big wide yeah. open arms looking quite friendly, but then all her guts are hanging out yeah. because she's a severed, some kind of severed body. Yeah, hanging and in there's the a nice, nice co-parenting moment here where Alana says, "I appreciate what you're trying to do, but I can't trust my only child to someone I just met. I'd have to discuss it with my husband before." <laughs> it's so sort of formal. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not really what we've seen from her before. It's almost like no. she's not definitely not going to take Marco's advice no. or listen to his opinion. She's going to make a decision. But then maybe she's just stalling. Yeah, stalling is what I was thinking. So this soul bonding. This is where that line comes from, from Hazel's narration. Rich kids get nannies, but the rest of us have babysitters. Yeah. <laughs> because the next line is, Isabel was my first. Yeah. So Isabel is going to end up, you know, you, you th- I guess that leads you toward thinking she is a, not. I don't want to say goody, but she is not a baddie in the mm. sense that she becomes a babysitter. Unless, where the bit says Isabel was my first, unless she had to get a second babysitter because Isabel was yeah. a bad And when one. she says this soul bonding thing, will it hurt my girl? Isabel says, only the day it ends. Yeah, that's <laughs> creepy as. Yeah. What like, a saga. Oh. So I, my sort of like interpretation, I thought, oh, this is going to be somehow like they can't both like survive and she's mm. going to somehow take over her physical form or something. That's what I, yeah. that's the mm, line. Possibly. Of- Shall we shall we discuss cuz it the the cliffhanger revolves around this particular scene. Should we discuss that now or should we leave that to the end of the episode? Might as well just well actually no, I guess we should t- reference the other two s- little storylines that are going on. Yeah, so there's the interrogation, isn't there? Yeah, so Prince Robot is now been uh, against his will, no pun intended, because he wanted to time with his family and a uh, uh, time off from uh, military service, but his dad has said, "Look, son, you got to crack on with this we need these two found so he's gone to a i'm guessing this is a military prison um to interrogate a a triceratops looking kind of rhino guy i guess and it gets violent it does yeah doesn't say what planet this is does it it just we're just dropped in to this location doesn't matter what planet it is i suppose so she she was well she was a guard i think and she was guarding this was one of the prisoners she was a, a guard for and um, he starts talking about, you know, the book. And it's a book by D. Oswald called Heist, A Nighttime Smoke. And it's got a sexy cover. Yep. Yeah. So this is me. This is cross species. It looks like. Do you think? That's what I thought. It was from cross, the cover. Yeah, maybe so. Cross species sort of romance fiction. Oh, yeah. Okay. I didn't get that from the image, but I can see that it could be. Did you not? No. I wasn't looking that carefully. I can totally see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's interesting, isn't it? This book is obviously sold as something very light, frothy kind of entertainment. But it would appear that there's much more going on within the pages of that book. Well, I, I took it as it was like inspiration for right. Alana and Marco's relationship. And Dave, you think it might be sort of hidden agenda. Yeah, I wonder if there's more to it. Yeah, well, right. I thought it was maybe a, a, like a romance story about cross-species lovers like mm-hmm. them. Right, so just a drawing a parallel to them, I guess, yeah. And again, we see uh, Prince Robot is using different images on his face. So first of all, he starts with Alana when he first comes in. Interesting as well, 
the person he's going in to see has a bag over their head. So it's very mm. kind of almost hardcore sensory deprivation. <laughs> you know, mm. w- what kind of conditions are they keeping this prisoner in? And he whoops the whoops the thing off his head. He gets spat on, doesn't he, by him? Yeah, well. he wipes down his screen. Wipes down his screen. <laughs> and then we get Marco's face on his on his on his head. And the other thing I found quite interesting was this um, three-horned-headed um, guy that he's speaking to is speaking another language, mm. but then quickly does speak what they call the language because he says, you machine head, you there, at threshold, none, um, is, which is a battlefield. Um, and he, uh, Prince Robo says, I fought at the threshold. Yes, along with a lot of other brave soldiers. What does that have to do with Alana? No thing. I just like remember how much of you ass heads we bury that day. <laughs> yeah. So there's a and then Prince Robot goes ape shit on yeah, him. Yeah, he's fuming. I like the screen there. It's kind of yeah. Uh, yeah. static, static, anger. like static anger, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. wallops yeah. him. So there's a lot of animosity here, and Prince Robot. I don't think he's going to hold back. And also, this another question here: Do they have these powers? Because his right arm has morphed into. A pepper pot. A pepper pot or a gun or a a chess piece. I'm not sure what it is. He's going to grind his face off. He's going to do something bad to him. And someone interrupts it, says, what are you doing? He's like, uh, commencing my interview. Now be a dear and fuck the fuck off. (laughs) That's a great line. And and then you don't know, you don't see what happens at the end of that interrogation. But I'm telling you, this guy's going to need more than a little (laughs) band-aid. Yeah. Why does the, um, the rhino guy, after he gets walloped, says humane is there some indication that prisoners are either supposed to be treated humanely or at that battle at threshold it was a humane surrender yeah that was almost like a reference to something that had been said earlier in the conversation but i'm looking back oh yeah here we go the robot says i'll take that to mean she provided the kind of humane treatment you barbarians have never afforded your prisoners of war all right okay yeah yeah so it's referencing back to that interesting robot now who didn't seem interested at the start, when he was assigned this mission, just, oh, bloody hell, now seems to be throwing himself in full force. I don't like this Prince guy. Prince Robot? <laughs> no, not yeah. a fan. He's just, yeah, I don't know, I just find him a bit wet. A bit wet? Yeah. He just beat the shit out of a rhino. I yeah. know, but I just feel like that was just all sort of bravado. bit macho, throwing yeah. his weight around. Yeah, yeah, he might be just, yeah, a bit of a wuss, using his position, potentially. Right, well, that is going to go places. And the other relationship that happens in these pages is between the stork and the will she's now running out of the forest and she's being chased by some big boar hound kind of things yeah um, i mean what a saga what she's, a saga. <laughs> she's like jeez not again yeah. yeah i mean she was like introduced to us as untouchable and now she's in a right mess she's mm. got hogs chasing her yeah so has she gone down in your estimation yeah a little yeah. bit just seem, yeah significantly less yeah. potent at this point because she's calling the will for backup effectively isn't she yeah she is yeah she's got a uh, little purple flip phone out yeah got a purple flip phone uh we see a little bit of the will's spaceship and then i like this one where he's eating cereal and what is that this. cereal it looks like there's some kind of slimer from ghostbusters yeah on the, <laughs> on the box of the cereal cover yeah. i just... love this image as you know i'm team the will yeah um yep. and i just love the way he's like slumped over basically just eating like fruit loops yeah yeah no yep. shirt on. <laughs> like, i'm never, I'm never just picking up it. for that bitch again <laughs> and the cat's like lying yeah yeah <laughs> all right new segment uh we're gonna add this in as well as our parenting rating 
Uh, I want to know what your who your favourite character from a, this this issue is. Doesn't necessarily be have to be, have to be your favourite character in the series, just this particular issue. So um, we'll do that. Uh, I guess the is it the will for you, Ems, in this issue, or is there Ooh. someone else you prefer? It probably is. Probably the will. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty cool. Just sitting there eating a bowl of cereal, casual. Yeah. I'm actually yeah. I'm actually going with Prince Robot for my favourite of this issue. I think he was a bit out of order. I mean, he's only in those two pages, but I just like I just like the fact that he is. I don't know. I don't like the necessary that he resorted to the violence, but uh, it's just the fact that he has changed from previous issues and he's all of a sudden, for for no apparent reason, sprung into a man of action. But you're going with Alana, are you, Dave? I, I mean, I like the fact that she's climbed up a mountain carrying a baby and a full-grown male. I think that's noteworthy. Okay, fine. <laughs> Award-winning. All right, let's jump back to this uh, Will and Stork then. So yeah, when she's on the she's a, I've got a panel of her at the top of the page. She's smiling while she's on the phone here. Yeah, on she's this quite one. casual while yeah. she's being attacked. But what I like is that the Will, he's obviously a bit in love with her. Do you think they've had? Um, well, that's what I thought. I th- I got the impression that they were lovers. Yeah, I think you're right because I think he was emotionally hurt by her. Yeah. Because She's like, uh, this This isn't, it's a cool, really cool panel because she's saying something, you know, not profound, but this isn't about the Dortminster assignment, is it? Yeah. As in the background, she's blowing half of her head off this hog. Uh, <laughs> yeah, interesting looking. imagery with those words. And she's like, we're freelancers. Sleeping around is in the job description. So yeah. I read that oh, yeah, as yeah. she cheated on him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and then I right. just had so many questions about how, how? that is happening. <laughs> <laughs> with the will and giant spider we lady. might find out we might find out and you might regret wanting to know oh, that God, yes yes but he at this point is he willing to ditch her uh he is because he does he cuts he does, off the call. yeah and i like that yeah it comes across as he's yeah he's been jilted uh, i don't know jilted that's the word too many yeah, times yeah because in that panel where he's like oh good luck with your big career like he looks heartbroken yeah 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 in fact, I'm changing mine to... My, Stork's my favourite in this one, in fact, because of her dialogue. I think she's got some funny dialogue. She has got um, some good dialogue. I really like it when she says, I hope Lion Cat takes yeah. a massive shit on your stupid cape tonight. <laughs> Fantastic. Call ended. Unless she hung up on him, actually. Yeah. I think she hung up on him. And his retort, his retort is women. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know if we mentioned last time, because he's on the way to Sextillion, which I'm a little bit terrified about. <laughs> Because he, what did he say? He said, um, because the stork was involved, he said in the last issue, well, look, I've got a blank, almost carte blanche credit card here they've given me. I'm just going to go and spend it on women and booze and drugs. And so he's on his yeah. way to Sextillion. So, and he is still on his way to Sextillion. So yeah, I think we're going to get that next issue. up those sweet, sweet expenses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> More questions are coming out of these pages, which is a good thing because... All that means is we want the answers, so we're going to have to continue reading. And as with as we've seen, cliffhangers play a big part. And on the bottom of the penultimate page, um, they're on their way to get this snow. And Marco's a bit delusional, and he's saying, "Please tell my bride I loved her, Alana." Marco, Marco, I'm right here. Back to Marco. Please tell Gwendolyn. I loved her so much. Flip the page. <gasps> Who the fuck is Gwendolyn? <laughs> I love this cliffhanger because it's so soap opera. It is properly in, soap in, opera. In the context of what is going on. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's not important, but obviously no. they always no. pull us back to 
their relationship and it feels quite fragile and still quite new and exploratory and the rage in her face even though she's literally traveling around with a mutilated ghost who has now bonded her soul with her child she's just like yeah who the fuck is Gwendolyn? we're gonna find out how much she really wants to get that snow yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) um and he better hope he gets some lucidity and can explain himself here but you know it's it's a a well i'm guessing it's a previous engagement please tell my bride so it's an ex and is is the past the past or you know is it a case that women make the best archaeologists because they're so good at digging up the past (laughs) we'll find out my bride yeah not just ex yeah yeah Mm. interesting dot, dot, interesting dot. um how are we uh rating this parenting from this issue we got to give marco as we got to give him a pass on this one because he's pretty much unconscious for the whole thing <laughs> well, unless yeah, you want to score he's, him and he's talking about another woman well, that's what i'm saying unless you want to score him based on his two lines of dialogue <laughs> she's done pretty well she's climbed up a mountain baby's completely fine yeah and she hasn't at this moment i don't think they've soul bonded yet so Mm-hmm. She yeah. hasn't committed to that course of action, so she's still got a chance, Alana, to snub that or turn it around. So I'm going to give her. I'm giving her a five out of five for this one. Oh, we're going out of five this time. Oh yeah, I think we're in five on the first episode. We're at ten on the bond. second one. She did so yeah. bond. Oh, did she? She did. Yeah. Have I read it completely when did it wrong? happen? When she oh, put yes. her finger on her like ET, oh, yeah. and it's all that big Isabel light show. Was my first babysitter. Yeah. The one that's right in my face, signifying that they soul bonded. That one. Yeah. yeah that I completely missed. <laughs> okay, fine. So I'm going to retract that five out of five and I'm going to go down to a four. Oh, yeah. I'm going to give, I'm going to find it hard to score her low because, I mean, look at the state she's in. Um, I'm going to give her a five. Dave? Yeah, I'm I'm thinking five. She's done whatever it takes. Yeah. I'm going to score. carry her other half. I'm going to score Marco and I'm going to give him a one. Uh, because you know, if you even if you are delirious, there's probably something you don't say in that scenario. Sure, at a later point in time, maybe bring that up. And at if least it's, he's if it's something that your current wife isn't aware of, but maybe not right now uh, when she's at her most vulnerable. You know, take a little bit more control there, man. So one, I'm giving him. At least he's there. You know, there's a lot of dads, absent fathers. Right, he's two. there. I'm giving him a two. All right, I'm bumping him up to two. <laughs> I also really liked in this chapter, there was quite a lot of different colours. Um, I am very into colours. Yeah, the colour palette's always yeah, good. Yeah, it's really different from the other chapters and I really... Yeah, naivety on my part. Um, I don't know who coloured this. I'm going to take a guess. I think it's Fiona Staples because there's no one mentioned. Yes, it is. Well, there's effectively three three creators here. It's Brian K. Vaughan is the writer. Fiona Staples is the artist. Whereas on some comics you would have a penciler an inker and a colorist she's doing all three and then you've got phonographics as a art studio i guess who are doing the lettering and the design so we have got a separate lettering crew and the lettering is good here because again you've got uh, hazel's kind of scrawly scratchy almost journal entry font mm. then you've got the, the standard um font for our characters which change color um isabel and the ghost or she's the only one who speaks i think of them they have a pink hue on the font and then you get prince robot who has a different font himself yeah i hadn't even noticed that that's cool yeah i also was quite surprised when the stork and the will are on the phone i this is the sort of thing that used to really confuse me but they've got this different shape for Mm. 
the will. It's kind of almost like a, a rotary saw. And I found that quite easy to follow, which as a comic book amateur reader, <laughs> um, yeah, I thought was good because stuff like that can sometimes really confuse me. Right, yeah. So when... that's for that's for as used for both the stalk and the will. The other end whenever of the it's line. the person isn't on the panel. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. it. That is. Yeah. That's a clever. It's very easy, subtle touch, but it helps you to. Yeah. Differentiate who's saying what, and it doesn't have. Whereas the speech bubbles have the arrow going towards, not yes. necessarily the mouth, but angling towards the head of the yeah. character. These are just like you say, a rotary saw. Very good, very good analogy there. Thanks. Um, <laughs> so there you go. That is um, issue three and episode three of Water Saga, and uh, <laughs> it's living up to its name. It really is. You've got to Look. sell it like that as well. What a saga! Yeah. yeah. Well, it is it is a soap opera, and you you mentioned them as, as as that back page reveal is like something you get off of EastEnders or Coronation yeah, Street or something like that. But in this context, it doesn't feel cheesy. It feels they've worked an element of humour into it. It's almost. very funny, yeah, yeah. 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 And is, the fact that she's called Gwendolyn, I don't know why. I was like, like that? what? Who is this like previous mm. like wife that he's met in the Welsh valleys? Yeah. <laughs> so how 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 are you picturing? Gwendolyn, are you making any assumptions at this point in time, or how could you possibly, with all the characters we've seen, yeah. all the design, character designs, no. species? She could be just, an alligator, yeah. Could I be a toaster. Thought, yeah, I just thought of like, yeah, someone in the Welsh Valley. Okay, well, let's hope Near for that. Well. Let's hope for that. <laughs> so next episode, we're probably going to go into Sextillion, which I'm a little bit scared about. I'm Definitely excited. For that one. Emma, nervous, Dave. I'm going to have a couple drinks first. He's, oh, okay. Dave's yeah, I'm going to need a drink too because given that the will is basically getting it on with a giant ant lady, yes. I don't know what the hell he's going to do spider. there. Probably a lot of debauchery and yeah. reasons why this is not an all-age comic. So yeah. He's got an open credit card, yes. <laughs> a broken heart, yes. and a hankering for kill. ant women. Yeah, danger, danger. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay well i think all of the protagonists here are going to be up to something in the next episode and it's going to be exciting to say the least that is going to about wrap it up for us here uh, please do get in contact with us at whatasaga at gmail.com go and check out the socials that's what a saga on instagram posting loads of cool stuff up there uh, where can the fine people find your stuff dave um on twitter at wimblet um, you'll find uh, links to my comic, which is on Kickstarter. And I don't know when this is going out, but potentially has a few more days. A comic about teenagers roaming around the countryside in England uh, looking for buried treasure. Very cool, very cool. And uh, Miss Emma, where can people find you? Yep, I make content about living playfully. Um, and you can find me on Instagram, playful underscore den. And you can listen to my podcast, People Who Play. And I'd love to also hear if there's anyone listening along that, like me, is a bit of a comic book amateur would love to hear how it's going for people yeah definitely and please do tell us uh on, on the format of the show would you like a bit more cohesion would you like a bit more um structured description and discussion or are you happy for us to just jump around the place and read them as we see them uh, maybe we'll put a poll up actually it might be nice to put a poll up on the instagram um to see if people are reading along or not and if people still enjoy it even if they're not reading along but anyway that's something for another day we have been the saga team crew or something we're still looking for a name people so let us know a name uh, and we will see you on the next episode so go grab a lager and don't have a saga unless that saga's reading this comic i need a better send-off still send me a better send-off people <laughs> we'll get see it. you later have a good week